Hey Spirit Fam, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I am one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. And we're back. Yeah, we're doing good. (laughs) We're back. We did it. That's our new tagline. We're back. We're back. Because it always seems like we've gone away. Don't call it a comeback. We're back. We have been here for years. I mean, we really have. Yeah. And we're still here. Maybe you've been here for years, too. And if you have... Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And welcome back. (laughs) Uh, We are really grateful to the just tried and true community members who show up and show out you know you show up you know who you are yes um because without you we are nothing you're a christmas tree without ornaments we're just two gays up on a hill hot chocolate without marshmallows Mm, hot chocolate that sounds nice pumpkin spice latte without the spice a hot toddy without the booze i mean what's Uh, the point you're just a cup of tea just tea which is also nice i mean we love tea but don't call it a hot toddy honey don't do that. Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and an astrologer. I am also a film producer. I am a teacher, a healer, a queeler, and just an all-around renaissance gentleman. Mm. Have you ever been to a renaissance fair? Uh, I think I went once like as a looky-loo. Got it. Like in college. But that was it. I've never been. No? No. Um, I'm not a big dress-up person. You know that about me. I do. Yeah. I do. And I feel like if you're going to go to something like that, you have to like... Go all the way. Yeah, you got to like own it. Yeah, for sure. You know, otherwise like you're just, again, like a looky-loo, which I was and... I've always just been like a looky-loo. Uh, we were talking about um, my experiences at the Folsom Street Fair, which is basically like a big BDSM fair in San Francisco. We were talking about that with friends recently, and I was saying how like I would go, but I was just like such a like looky-loo with popcorn. Yeah, you're a voyeur. I am a voyeur. No, there's like, nothing wrong with that. No, except that you know the bushes would always scratch you, leave scratches everywhere, you just from hiding in them. I don't think you have to hide at the Folsom Street Fair. You can be a voyeur in plain sight. I know, but it's more fun if you're actually doing the hiding. Wow. All right. Well, I guess I was owning it. That's I fair. really wasn't hiding in bushes, y'all. I was fully just like sitting on corners, like on curbs, watching people do outlandish sexual acts in public. God is bless San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way. Uh, who are you? I I thought you'd never ask. I'm Brandon (laughs) Alter. I'm a spiritual healer. I'm a tarot reader and an astrologer. I'm a writer. And I will be a performer again at some point. Uh, That's on the back burner at the moment. And I am not a Renaissance human because I've never been to a Renaissance fair. But a Renaissance person is just someone who kind of like... Is a jack, a jack hay of all trades. Yeah, has like many different gifts i would say you are as well i'm just a futurist go on i don't know (laughs) we have to check in yes because don't you all want to hear more about us 
Yes. Honestly, people say that like their check-ins is sometimes like their favorite part of the show. Oh, stop. It's when they learn. No, go on. I mean, my cousin who listens to this podcast. I didn't even know. Shout outs to my cousin who was like, yeah, especially Angel's check-ins. Like they teach me so much. How so? I wonder. Just like the way you you honestly share about what you're going through and how Aww. you approach it. It helps other people, I think, like shift their own perspective about what they're going through. Was this during Thanksgiving? It was. Oh. The Thanksgiving I missed. Yes. Because I got the coves, y'all. Yeah, that's part of your check-in, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just going to roll in. I woke up Thanksgiving morning with the coves. And has like, you know, we both have worked really diligently to stay healthy. But, you know, it seems like a thing that's like mostly inevitable if you're going to engage in the world. Because even I I can like sense when we probably got it and we were we were engaged in the world, but not like, you know, we weren't like going to clubs and shit like we were we were actually pretty much outside. So just kind of is what it is. But anyhow, it culminated in, yeah, me waking up having COVID and for the last, um, I guess that was almost two weeks ago now. Um. Which was not, like, fun. I'm certainly not going to recommend it to anyone. I'm sure a lot of you have already had it, and everyone's experience with it is different. Mine was definitely, like, you know, the most severe cold. But I also don't even remember what having a cold is like. Because I never really got cold even in the before times that often. Um, But, yeah, it was, like, a not fun sickness. But I definitely took a lot of downtime. I was in bed a lot. I spent a ton of time with the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Did an incredibly deep, deep dive into that world. Because I only had watched the first two seasons ever. And so I kind of uh, did a speed watch of seasons three, four, five. (laughs) And then got just like fully invested and now i think i'm like at season nine um so that was really the extent of my COVID. but that was also kind of like as much as i could give (laughs) my attention span and my energy level like didn't offer like much else to it um i think if anything like on a spiritual level like i definitely like did find my way back to like some good um just like spiritual calming practices for myself you know like i always expected myself to get really anxious and challenged if when that was going to happen for me and i found that i was able to like release the anxiety around it um so so yeah, that's kind of been my last two weeks. And then sadly, of course, you contracted it as well. It was an early Christmas present that you gave me. Kalukale. COVID, it always fits. <laughs> yeah. Angel got sick on Thanksgiving. So I went and did Thanksgiving by myself. And then we came home that night. I wore a mask in the car put Angel in the bedroom and started sleeping in the guest room here. And then I started feeling sick on Sunday 
but didn't test positive until Tuesday night, which was wild. So there were a couple of days where I was like, do I just have the flu? Like, what are the odds that like we would both get sick at the same time? And that was not the case. The case was that I, in fact, got Angel's COVID. Uh, I didn't manufacture it. What do you mean manufacture it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. Not Angel's The Angel variant. Yeah, exactly. The Angel Lopez variant. Yeah, if there was one, it'd be really fun. Honestly, it was not that bad. I... Are you a COVID denier now? No, I'm <laughs> certainly not a COVID <laughs> denier. I'm so grateful I'm that we kidding. have all the technology that made it so that my experience of COVID was so you know minimal compared to what it could have been. Um, I mean, I'm still got like some fatigue. I'm still testing positive actually, but I don't feel sick anymore. I'm just a little bit more easily tired. And where Angel had the Real Housewives of New Jersey to shepherd him through, I had Westworld, which was something I'd never watched before, and it was perfect for this moment of my life. And I read a lot, and I slept a lot, and I, too, was grateful for the downtime, even though you don't really want to like be feeling shitty when you're in the downtime. Right. But I will just share, the night before Thanksgiving, at sundown, I did this really powerful ritual that I had been given by a friend of mine who does some divination work. And it was a ritual that I really didn't want to do, but I felt that it was important that I do it. And so I moved through all of my resistance. And I I may have talked about it, if not on the podcast, then maybe in an astro club or something. But this was an ocean ritual. And it was a very specific ocean ritual where I was to enter the ocean naked at sunset. Now, this in and of itself presents a whole host of logistical issues where in the United States, in Europe, it'd probably be easier because they don't really care. But in the United States, where do you enter the ocean nude and not get arrested? But there is a clothing optional beach in San Diego. And so a couple months ago, when my friend told me about this ritual and kind of gave me a three-month time frame in which to do it, I kind of thought, all right, well, I guess when I'm down in San Diego before Thanksgiving is probably the time. So I managed to find my way to this beach called Black's Beach. And there were a whole other logistical things that I had to do. I had to cover myself in honey. I had to get a dozen white roses. I mean, it was like really pushing me to the edges of my own ritual ability. But I did it. I showed up. And it was such a profound experience that I had. And I feel like because of that experience, I was so well-resourced spiritually to help Angel with the early stages of his COVID to enter into a pretty emotionally challenging Thanksgiving, the first one without my mom alone. And then I also felt like even my contracting COVID was a continuation of that ritual because that ocean ritual was all about cleansing and baptism and kind of starting a new And it felt like having that whole week of downtime. And I I do feel like physical sickness is also happening on a spiritual level. To some degree, something is being cleansed, transformed. And so I am just grateful to be on the other side of all of that. And to say goodbye to 2022. Bye, bitch! And walk into 2023. Hey, girl. What's up, queen? Well, I'm really proud of you that you followed through on that big ritual because I know it was like a 
an undertaking. <laughs> it was such an undertaking. And so yeah. I get to the I so I get to Black's Beach, which is a very long beach, and I don't see any nude people. I see like families with children. I see like girls in yoga pants walking dogs and I'm like I cannot just like strip <laughs> off all my clothes right yeah. now and walk into the ocean You're at like, sunset I'm gonna just be the naked person here <laughs> so I like google I'm like blacks beach clothing optional and I read this whole article on the beach where they're like yeah the north section is clothing optional but the south section is not and I was like well how do I know like when I'm in the right section so I just kept walking north and then wouldn't you know it I saw some guy's dick and I was like well I guess I'm in the north section now <laughs> and then i i found my own little area and you know took my time um kind of preparing myself mentally emotionally spiritually and then physically for the for the ritual i mean i've been just like looking on like twitter or tiktok to see videos of you taken by observance i don't think it happened they're all, look at this person rubbing honey all over themselves. And then entering into <laughs> the ocean, <laughs> nude, <laughs> at sunset, <laughs> laughing and dancing and crying. <laughs> it was so wild. Y'all, at a certain moment in the ocean, it was as if I had, like, stepped into a whole other world. Like, I was in this bubble. And there were so many spirits present. And all these birds were flocking around me. And the way the ocean waves crashed and the foam at the top of the wave caught the light of the setting sun, it was just like worth all of the work it required to put the whole thing together in the first place. And it felt really great to be naked in the ocean. It wasn't as cold as I thought. Yeah, I feel like that would be very nice. Yeah, it was great. I hope you took a good shower afterwards. I did. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> I was there. I mean, you weren't in the shower, but you were right there. No, because I was sick. With the coves. But we didn't know it yet. No, not at that point. But 12 hours later, boy, did we know it. Mm, boy, did we. Um, but anyhow, enough about all of that business. Well, thank you for sharing that with everybody. I felt like the gazers would want to know. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right, well... Though no one asked, uh, we also think you all want to know about things we love. So we're going to talk about them right now in a segment we're going to call The, the Care, care Package. Because we care. And we love a package. So Angel and I challenge each other to come up with three things, an album, a book, and just a thing that we would send to you as our care package of 2022 if we had all of the monies in the world and could send out a care package to each and every one of you. Oh, my goodness. So why don't we start with books? Let's do it. Since it's, so it's your favorite thing. It is. And my friend Michelle challenged me to write a list of all the books I read in 2022, which I did this year for the first time ever. How many? I haven't counted, but we're like, 70 plus oh my <laughs> i read a lot of books this year it's unbelievable i know i do love to read uh so when i tell you this is my favorite book of the year it is not to be taken lightly because she read a lot of books so drum roll tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle zevin 
This is a work of fiction. Angel read it too. And it is technically my favorite book of the year as well. But mm, I made Angel choose something else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is just a beautiful story about three friends who start a video game company together. And even if you're not a gamer, I'm not a gamer. You know, like the last time I played video games, it was like Nintendo 64 and I was like a teenager. It's about the relationship between them. And it's about, in some ways, like where technology meets spirituality, which is certainly a theme that we're going to be diving deeper and deeper into as Pluto moves into Aquarius next year. But the book itself was just so emotionally compelling. The characters were so rich and so real. And I have to say what I loved most about it was that every character in the book was like deeply flawed and you were like, they fucking suck. But you also loved them the whole time. Like, there was no single character that you were like, they suck all the way through. Like, even the assholes you loved. And even the, like, protagonists that you're supposed to love all the way through, you're also like, no, you're making some bad choices. Like, you're kind of a dick. And I just felt like it was really sophisticated in that way. And there was just one chapter towards the end of the book where the writer just did something so magnificent and so clever, but not clever for clever's sake, like, just kind of transported you outside of the story that you'd been in for so long, but to bring you back to the story in a different way. And it was just worth the whole thing for me. And I loved it. Yeah. It's so beautifully written. And like, as you said, the characters, like you really dove into them, even though they were so tricky and intricate. Um, and also uniquely drawn. Um, yeah, such a great book. And also just really made me want to play games. Also, it really made me like need to get like a dictionary because <laughs> there were so many words in that book and I was like, I do not know what this word means. Totally. At a certain point, I actually just like stopped looking them up because I was like, it's fine. I can figure it out. But if you want to feel smart, read that book. <laughs> yeah. What was your book to replace tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow since I grabbed it for my my favorite you shady queen uh no i mean i think uh it was the perfect choice but i um just went to because i also i love to read fiction but i also really love to read memoirs um and i read a few this year and my favorite one that i read this year was called i was better last night and it's written by harvey firestein Harvey Feinstein, everyone's favorite. Yeah, I mean, just this like wonderful actor, playwright, um, and writer in general. Um, I think like probably most famously known by the masses as like Robin Williams' brother and Mrs. Doubtfire, but also as like Edna Turnblad in the Broadway version of Hairspray. Um, he won a Tony for that. Um, but his, uh, he originally had written this, um, like his first, I think real big breakthrough was writing this play called Torch Song Trilogy that was on Broadway. Um, that was very much about like coming out and being gay, particularly through the AIDS epidemic. And the book just specifically really chronicles that era in such a profound way because Harvey just kind of credits his 
work to the to being alive um, because he was he's like I was just so busy during <laughs> like that time that he wasn't really out and about and sleeping around um, but then of course had to kind of suffer through watching a lot of his community die um, and became like a real advocate and um, just like a speaker for so many and and used his work um, to to speak about it but uh, also um, just uh, is so funny and really used his humor as well as like a healing tool and the book is very funny and you know if you are familiar with him at all you know his voice to be very funny one and you kind of just like hear him talking the whole time as you're reading it um, and it's you know because I also work in in film um, it just has a lot of great little like film anecdotes in there as well you know of stories on of about different uh, films and TV shows he was involved in and the whole hairspray thing so it's like really interesting too if you are have any interest in that world as well I'm gonna read it you should it's great I'm going to take it with us to North Carolina. Oh, perfect. All right, music. What would you bring? What would you give? So this is like such an Aquarius answer. But my favorite album of the year was the unreleased but leaked Kim Petras album oh my God. called Problematique. Because I listened to that thing so much. And I found it online. And I... Like on YouTube, right, or something? I don't even remember. And I was able to download it to, like, my Google Drive. So if anybody wants it, just let me know. And I can, <laughs> I can send you a link to my Google Drive. All right, we're not promoting stolen music, but... We're pretty sure Kim Petras leaked it herself. Yes, that's true. Because it's a fucking brilliant album. Oh, my goddess. And I don't know why they shelved it. And I just, like, listened to it start to finish so many times, and it was so good. So that's my favorite album of the year. I get that. I remember hearing it quite often through the walls of our home. Yeah. Um, it was I, a bummer when I didn't get to see it on her, on my Spotify wrapped because I was like, <laughs> oh, right. And I didn't get to listen to it through Spotify. Right. If only you knew. I know she would have been my number one artist, but I she'll never sure. know. Um, I had way too many like, albums because th- I, I actually feel like this was like such a good year for music. Uh, and I'm such a music fiend. But if I had to pick one album uh to give everyone it would be bad bunny's un verano Sinti. that was just like the album that got me through a lot of the year it's like 90 ish minutes of music um it is all in spanish um but the energy uh of all of it i think transcends the language and I highly recommend everyone giving themselves over to it. It's such an enjoyable album and listen. Um, And I just love his spirit so much. Like, you know, he is like not only just like a huge um, advocate for uh, Puerto Rico, where he's from and where my family is from, and has really used his success to help promote the uh, needs and the challenges of the island. 
Um, but uh, he's also just like really challenging a lot of like gender norms, which, you know, is not obviously like a new thing, but I do think because he's so steeped in the Latin culture and community, which is such a machismo component to it, that it's really um, inspiring to see. And I think he's done a lot for the youth culture, particularly in the Latin community, um, about blurring those lines and um, really uh, uplifting a lot of queer voices in that community, which is awesome. He's one bad bunny. <laughs> you were just waiting the whole time for that one. No, it just came to me. It's funny. You have this like bunny photo on your altar and he's kind of looks like a bad bunny. He's a very <laughs> bad bunny. <laughs> we'll have to share a picture of that. Totally. All to see. Yeah, we totally can. All right. And now an item. Well, this was hard because... I love an item. And I thought, is it going to be jewelry? Is it going to be that coat I bought at TJ Maxx, which I wish I could never take off? But no, it's actually this little teeny baby rattle. I have been working with these two rattles for a couple of years. And recently, the spirit of the rattles communicated that there was a third rattle, a little baby rattle that I needed to acquire because it would allow me to do different types of spiritual work that I couldn't do with the two of them. Those two rattles like to be used together, but this little baby rattle can be used either with them or on its own. And so I reached out to the same rattle maker, and his name is actually The Rattle Maker. You can find him on Etsy. And his rattles are amazing. They are so spiritually empowered. And I highly recommend, if you're in the market for a rattle, to give him your business because he does it really well. And he really honors his own indigenous lineage of making rattles and has learned from his elders and is doing all of us a real honor by sharing them. And this little rattle, I mean, it's not more than like, I don't know, like four or five inches, but it packs a punch. And I take it with me everywhere now. And it's like my little purse rattle. And I'm just very grateful to have it. So that's my, that's my, I would send everyone a little mini rattle if I could. I love that. <laughs> I need to get a new rattle. Mine busted, remember? It well, came apart. See if you like anything from the rattle maker. I know. Um, yeah, I too struggled a little bit with what would I offer out to everyone. And um, honestly, where my heart just keeps going is kind of very simple. And it's a shout out to uh, this jewelry company based here out of LA called Wax and Wayne Jewelry. And um, I have this pretty thick selenite bead bracelet. Yeah, they're like big orbs. Yeah, like big orbs that I wear every single day. And I highly... Uh, credit it with keeping me clear and um, calm <laughs> during this year. Uh, you know, selenite is very good for clearing out energy that is not yours. 
I have uh, a selenite wand that I use after readings and I basically rub around my whole body uh, like it's a bar of soap afterwards and I legitimately feel the shift in my energy field when I do so. But this is great uh, because I wear it on my left hand, which is that energy receptive side. So for me, I always feel like it's helping to kind of like act as like a bit of an energy barrier for anything coming into my space. Um, but it's also just great in a pinch when I've left like a really like busy meeting or I've been in a supermarket or, you know, wherever I've been where there's a lot of energy around me that like I don't necessarily want. And I can just like roll this thing off my wrist and kind of rub it all <laughs> over me <laughs> quickly to kind of get that cleansing feeling for myself. So if any of you have had readings with me, uh, you most of you have gotten it, that as uh, part of your homework to get some sort of selenite item. But um, I highly recommend for any of you sensitive energy folks to, you know, if you don't already work with some piece of selenite in some way, um, these bracelets are great just because you always have them with you and uh, they come together in a pinch. And they're so chic. They're very chic. It's the chicest bracelet I've ever seen. Yeah. And Wax and Wayne just makes everything very mindfully. So we highly support. So those are our care packages, kids. We hope they reach you in time for the holidays. <laughs> exactly. All right. So now it's time to offer you a glimpse into the future with this episode's Deep, Deep Dive. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what? So what? So what's the tarot scenario? So for those of you who are unfamiliar, a year ahead spread is one of our favorite divinatory tools. And for many, many years now, on New Year's Day, actually, Angel and I will each do our year ahead spread, sometimes for each other, sometimes by ourselves. But we always do it. And it's a map that we continue to refer to throughout the whole year that helps us make sense and contextualize what is it that we're moving through. And sometimes you can get a sense about what you're going to be walking into. More often than not, it's looking back through the lens of the card that helps you integrate and make meaning out of where you've been. But we did this last year and we thought we really wanted to do it again. So the way we will work with this spread, and we'll post a photo of it uh, probably to our Instagram so you can look at it as well, but we're going to go month by month and just imagine that all of these cards form a circle. So January gets a card, February gets a card, but then at the center of the wheel is a 13th card, and this is the unique energy of the year. It's the energy that weaves everything together. It's the unique theme or the lesson or the teaching in some ways it's like who we are all supposed to be this year last year it was the six of swords and we worked a lot with the six of swords we talked about it with jeff henshaw of cosmic cousins it was a six year last year because 2022 adds up to six and that's the lovers in the major arcana but uh we felt like okay maybe the six of swords is connecting us to that but this year, it is not the Six of Swords. This year, at the center of our wheel, is the Four of Swords. Got to keep them swords party going. So we're still working with swords energy. And swords are mental. They're the stories we tell ourselves. 
and fours are foundations. So the four of swords is a new mental foundation. And how do you get a new mental foundation? Well, the four of swords would suggest you get it by looking back, by looking back to get a clearer sense of how did you build your thoughts in the first place? Where did those stories come from? The thing I like about the Four of Swords, especially as a card that's in the center of the wheel for us this year, is that it represents a little bit of a reprieve. When you're in the Four of Swords, it means that you're out of the woods. You're no longer in the drama. You're not in the crisis. Now you are in a safe space where you can reflect back on it, where you can mine the gifts from the experience that you've had. And so when I think about it in a more global context, I do think that 2023 will definitely be the year that we emerge fully from the pandemic. We are going to be facing new challenges, new roads opening up. This year was such a transition year. And that's what the Six of Swords was kind of showing us. We're in that boat. We're in between shores. But now in 2023, we've landed. We're in a new shore. And we need to take the year to ground ourselves and to create that mental foundation that allows us to look back, get what we need from that experience, metabolize it, and then move forwards. In looking at the Four of Swords um, in the top deck, uh, I was reminded that the astrology associated with it is actually Jupiter in Libra, which I think is interesting when you think about Jupiter as that planet of expansion and abundance and growth. And here is Libra all about like, on one hand, balance, right? Equity. So perhaps expanding into a newfound sense of balance, which I think goes along with kind of like coming out, you know, in a new way. But it's also like an abundance of relationship and connection, you know, like on a one-on-one -on -one level, which I think I, I know for myself, I've struggled to really achieve that, you know? Um, but I do feel like just in the last month or so, I've started to kind of get a sense of like, oh yeah, I want to like foster deep one-on-one -on -one with you again and with you again, you know? And so just for myself, that really resonates as like a calling for 2023. Yeah, more well, balancing the past and the future. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy, and we talk a lot about this, you know, creating a new story for your life, and that's important, but you can't deny the power those old stories hold over you, and unless you look back and do some of that hard and sometimes very specific work, kind of unmiring yourself from those old stories, you can go after whatever new thing in the future you want, but you might always get pulled back, you know? It's like a... Uh, it's like a rubber band, you know, like you can stretch it as far as you want, but it'll snap back if you don't figure out a way to kind of detach it from what it's from what it's hooked to. So we're going to look back to go forwards. Yeah, it almost feels like it. It's like you can see to more clearly where your mind has been manipulating your heart, you know, or just like manipulating your story in a way that's actually not true to the reality of, of your presence now. I also think if you look at the Four of Swords, and we used the Smith Weight deck, and what Pamela did here is she's got someone looking inwards, or maybe they're looking upwards, but there's this stained glass window in the corner, and 
the figures in the stained glass window almost look like the figures in the Six of Cups, which is all about healing. And so there's something about like a new mental foundation, the Four of Swords, that helps us integrate some sort of emotional healing. Which sounds pretty good to me. I'm down for that. All right, so this is one of three cards in the whole spread that are direct. There were a lot of reversed cards. So there's a lot of different ways we can interpret that. The first and foremost is just like we're in a Mars retrograde right now. So things are shifting and even asking questions about the future changes the future. So we're going to talk about the cards, but we may not be able to entirely glimpse or understand what they're hinting at until we get there. Also, sometimes a reversal softens the energy or it just says like expect the unexpected. So the first card we're working with in terms of the linear progression of the year, stepping back into chronological time here, is the moon reversed for January. And the moon card connects us to Pisces. The moon is all about strangeness and queerness. It's about intuition. It sometimes connects us with our fears, with hysteria, but also with psychic gifts. And so the moon reversed can also sometimes be that like we're resisting going into those darker places, resisting almost being adrift in our own psychic landscapes. And we know that Mars is retrograde until about halfway through January. And so this may not be the year to like start it off with a bang. And the moon reverse might suggest that, that like it's a slow start, it's an inward start, and we have to start not just from the heart, but from the spirit and give ourselves permission to be in those liminal spaces where you're like, you know, like if we're working with this metaphor of like last year we were between two shores and this year we are landing at that shore, it's almost like we're the, those original human ancestors that crawled out of the ocean on their legs for the first time and just kind of like slowly started to, to enter into a terrestrial landscape. That's kind of what the moon reverse feels like to me. Well, it makes sense to me too, just because we have, astrologically a big mars shift in january and to me mars even though it is i guess technically like one of the more personal planets it is really like the bridge planet to kind of you know the great teachers right of saturn and and jupiter so it has some real heft to it and whenever a planet of heft um does a, a station and and goes direct it really is a big energetic shift and it tends to kind of sort of almost like clear the energetic decks you know um it's like a shockwave situation so that can come with a little bit of a like whoa hold on slow down what's happening um and toward the end of the month we'll also see venus enter pisces um so i just think that that's like an interesting component to it yeah as well. for sure helps us connect with people through our intuition and our emotion and our dreams. Yeah, well, we also get the big f full moon in Cancer at the top of January, oh. which is a very kind of big, intuitive, emotional yeah. moon. So February is the Queen of Wands reversed. So the Queen of Wands is you when you are using your sensuality and your sexuality and your felt sense to make magic in the world. The Queen of Wands is the witch of the deck. She's got a little black cat, her familiar. But really, this is about connecting to the fire and the water of your own lives, your energy, your action, your spirit, but then also your like 
relationships with yourself, with the invisible world, your creativity, all of these things that are the ingredients that help you cast the spells you want to cast for your life. So February sees us starting to like take action, but in some more magical ways. And it's connected to all the fire signs. So, you know, it carries with it that real um, sharp intensity of energy. Yeah, but she's reversed, which means that we might be feeling, maybe all the reversals too also just feel like we're tired. We don't feel like we have the resources. It's not necessarily coming in free and easy and clear, but that doesn't mean that it's not available. Like we got to work for it a little bit more. So you got to work for the magic. You got to, it's like, not wanting to go to the gym but once you're there you're like glad you're there right yeah well ideally too we're all approaching things differently in a way you know utilizing everything that we have learned up to this point and that doesn't always come easy when you're approaching things in a new different way so you you know reversal is always like a bit of a retrograde energy right so it's like oh let me approach it slowly you know so as not to overwhelm yourself yeah and then in March, we get the Three of Wands reversed. So the Three of Wands is a new vision. And it's not just a vision of the immediate future. It's a larger vision for your life, a vision for the world. And the Three of Wands reversed sometimes means that we're going back to an older vision to revise it, to bring it forward. Something you'd given up on in terms of how you see yourself or see the world wants to come back in in a new way. It's also connected to the coming online of psychic gifts, clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, things of this nature. And what we know about the coming online of those gifts is that they help us see into realms that we wouldn't know about otherwise. So when we're in the Three of Wands, we're seeing possibilities for ourselves, for the future, that we wouldn't have known were even available to us if we didn't have some sort of numinous capacity. And again, it's reversed because I think it's a vision we can't even imagine until we get there. March is classically Pisces season for most of it. And it's a Pisces season that doesn't have Jupiter in Pisces. And so that is a, that's a different situation here than the Pisces season that we had last year. But I also think interestingly, the astrology of that card is the sun in Aries mm. and we do get the shift into Aries sun um, and I would actually say really like March 19th through the 21st is like a really potent time to watch this energy come into play because we see Mercury enter Aries on the 19th the sun enters Aries on the 20th and then we have an Aries new moon on the 21st so I think there's just like something really interesting in that little pocket of time connected to this three of wands. Interesting that you have those three different Aries transits as well. Yeah, totally. So April is the four of pentacles reversed. And as we talked about before, fours are foundational. Pentacles, this is our first pentacle here, pentacles bring us into the physical realm. So it's things that are quantifiable. Uh, your resources, time, money, your body, uh, your possessions. And the four of pentacles asks us to consider that where we control the most is where we trust the least. 
And so when we look at this figure who has these four pentacles but is holding so tightly to them, these four pentacles that block the portals in the body that connect us, the heart, the throat, the soles of the feet, we realize that we are clinging to something. And in the clinging to it, we are actually preventing the things that we want from coming towards us. So it's a new physical foundation, not unlike the Four of Swords, which is a new mental foundation. But this physical foundation doesn't come from the sort of like enforcing of order, but it comes more from a trust in natural cycles, a trust in your own value, a trust in the larger forces in the world. It kind of reminds me of something that I try to do when I'm my most spiritually aligned, which is give it all over to the goddess and go like, you know what? This actually isn't my problem. This is the goddess's problem and she's going to figure out how to solve it for me, right? And that only happens when I'm really able to trust because when I'm not trusting the goddess, I'm like, no, I have to figure this out myself or else it's all going to blow up in my face. But when I'm trusting the goddess, I go, no, no, this will resolve itself in the time that it's supposed to resolve itself. And that is a really good physical foundation, right? Like that's a great way of being here, which is remembering that like not everything is my problem. In fact, a lot of things are way above my pay grade. Wow. And that's such a great um, analogy for the energy of the astrology associated with Four Pentacles, which is Sun and Capricorn. Because Capricorn is a sign that can be associated with control, right? Because there's a lot of power. It's all like very practical forward thinking. There's like a big kind of forward thinking plan that gets put into place. And I actually think like on the more lower vibe element of that placement, it becomes a lot about control, you know, and needing to control all the steps that are taking place in order to put that plan into motion. But on the higher vibe, we know Capricorn to be a really spiritually connected sign as well. And so on the high vibe, it's just plugged into trust, right? It's plugged into the idea that I've done all the work to create the plan and now I have to co-pilot this with spirit to put it into motion. So even makes so much sense you explaining your own personal experience with that, having your moon in Capricorn, you know, knowing that like control versus trust can be such a a heavy expression of that. Story of my life, girl. So that's a great lesson for us all to pay attention to at that time. All right. May takes us into the tower reversed. So here we go, honeys. Hold on to your hats. It's going to be a tower reversed month, but it's reversed, which means it's gentler. I find that some of the really hard cards, when they come in upside down, they're softer. It's a tower that whispers. It's a liberation of some kind. You know, May is a really interesting month astrologically just because at some point we will have five planets in Taurus. But one of those planets in Taurus is Uranus. And Uranus loves to shake shit up. So May feels like a rockin' and rollin' month. May feels like things are coming in, things are going out. All we can do is just like ride the wave. I'm not a surfer, but I love to watch them. Not just because they're so beautiful on the waves, but because they're hot too. Uh, But just watching how you have to surrender to those forces. It kind of is a continuation of what we were talking about with the trust and the control. It's like if you control something that is so much larger than you, it is going to drag you under. And so the tower shows up in May reverse to kind of say like, hey, 
let me just take you to some place that's going to be better for you. This is a tower that was built on a crumbling foundation. There's no reason to try to save it. Waste your money. It's a money pit, this tower. So let's just go somewhere else. Let's build a new tower. Maybe it's not even a tower. Maybe it's just like a little pagoda where we can like see the ocean and the breeze can come through. Well, and interesting to that, May 1st, we'll see Pluto retrograde at zero degrees Aquarius because it will have entered Aquarius in March. And so here we get that like the month kicking off with like a Pluto shift, um, which can just like bring with it some transformation, some shifts, some change. We're also seeing another big shift with Jupiter entering Taurus in May as well. Well, you know what's interesting is that takes us to June, mm-hmm. which is the Hierophant reversed, which connects to Taurus. Yeah. Exactly. And this will be the first time that Jupiter's in Taurus for 12 years, hasn't been there uh, since 2011. I think that's the math. Yeah, that would be 12 years. Hey, oh. When interestingly, June 1st, Jupiter and the North Node will be conjunct. So, working with some serious Taurus energy, which is how to be here in a good way, what are the secrets of life that are hidden in nature? The Hierophant is one of those cards who are like the Hierahua, and Hierophantos is a Greek word. They were the priests that initiated the Eleusian mysteries, and these were the mysteries about spring and fall, about life and death. And the initiates learned a spirituality that was based on direct revelation, your own personal understanding of spiritual truths, not just receiving some sort of doctrine. Uh, The Hierophant in shadow can sometimes be like following tradition that is no longer valid. And I think with Uranus and the North Node and all of these kind of Taurian energies, you know, it's like there's a lot happening there. We are releasing old traditions. And we also might see some of those old traditions like the last grasp holding on so hard. But eventually those fingers are going to slip off the edge of the cliff and they're going to fall down because it's time to move forwards towards new sustainable ways of being. And new sustainable spiritualities. Hirohua? Hirohua. <laughs> Hura Hirohua. And you know, this is a wild couple of months here because we get three major arcana cards in a row. The Tower and then the Hierophant and then Strength. And interestingly enough, they're from each of the three lines of the tarot. Mm-hmm. The Tower being in the last line, which is about rebirth. The Hierophant being in the first line, which is about establishing yourself here in the physical world of being and things. And then Strength. So strength is our card for July. It's reversed because so far all of our cards are reversed except for the four of swords in the center. Rude. It is what it is. Reverse cards aren't bad. They're just saying there's lots of surprises ahead, you know? So strength, and I love seeing this, you know, strength is connected to Leo. It's happening in July, which is Leo season. And strength is about answering the call of the heart. It's about going a step beyond the ego. The heart says there has to be more to life than this, and strength is when we answer the call. There's creativity at play here. There's also sometimes a suggestion that you might be tested, but you will pass the test. You just have to call upon a strength that sometimes you didn't even know that you had. It's an inner strength. It's a quiet strength. It's a strength of conviction in who you are, and whatever July has in store for us, you're going to need that. August is the Page of Cups reversed. Love me the Page of Cups. The Page of Cups is you when you allow yourself to be seen. 
in all of your glorious vulnerability. The Page of Cups walks into a room and says, Hello, I'm the Page of Cups. Here's my heart. Heart on the sleeve. And so having come from strength, where we're in Leo energy and we're exploring creativity and we're exploring really shining the heart, the Page of Cups takes us a step further into that and really lets us embody that archetypal energy of being playful and creative. And the Page of Cups is famous in the Smith Waite deck for looking at this cute little fish that's poking its head out of the cup that the page is holding. And it's like being in conversation with the fish. And who is the fish? The fish is like your own spirit your own creativity, your own sense of playfulness. Remember when you were a kid and you had like imaginary friends and everything was alive? Well, everything is still alive. You've just forgotten. And so the Page of Cups kind of infuses our life with that sense of imagination and possibility. And that only happens when you're vulnerable to it, when you allow yourself to kind of be exposed to the elements. That's when the muse can find you. And so that feels really fun to be in Page of Cups. It's a, it's a playful, you know, it's summer for at least us Northern Hemisphere people. So it's a playful place to be connecting through creativity and through our ability to really share our hearts yeah and it is connected to water so yeah it is just like an opportunity to connect into your emotional body you know really tap into to feelings and the month actually ends with a big full moon in pisces so I think that's just like an interesting culmination of that energy, probably. Yeah, it's interesting. We have three major arcana cards in a row, and then we have three cups cards in a row. So this is the first of three, the page of cups reversed. And then we get our first direct card for the months themselves. Finally. But it's the five of cups. So it's kind of like, oh, this is the direct one that we get. Because the five of cups is a contraction of the heart. It's hard. It's befriending grief. But it's also about having the courage to acknowledge what is hurting in you. And so I think if we're following this journey, strength takes us into the heart. We get to know ourselves a little bit better, another layer deeper. And then the Page of Cups is how we reveal that. We show people what we found on that little journey. And then the Five of Cups is maybe our realizing that not everybody's going to accept it. Or maybe we went deeper into the heart, but we also found things that hurt, things that need tending. The Five of Cups connects us to our inner healer. And the only way we connect to our inner healer is through healing ourselves. And the only way we heal ourselves is through acknowledging where we're wounded. So there's something about September that wants us to acknowledge our grief. Acknowledge what hurts, but not dwell on it. The figure in the Five of Cups has three cups that are spilt, but two cups that are just fine. And the figure is refusing to look at those two cups that are full, turns its back on them. And so sometimes the medicine that we need in the Five of Cups is just to turn around and pay attention to what you still have, as opposed to dwelling in what's no longer there. And I can speak to this even in just my own grief experience of this year of losing my mom. It's very easy for me to dwell in the fact that she's not here, but I can also remember what she's given me. I can also live my life in a way that honors her, and that's turning around and looking at those two full cups that are behind me. And so we have to do both. Yeah, it's related to Mars and Scorpio energy. So it is like really going deep into the feelings, into the sensitivity, but sourcing the transformation that's there for you. I love that. Sourcing the transformation that's there for you. Whew. And then our third cup of the sequence, this is October. This is the Three of Cups reversed, but the Three of Cups nonetheless, which is a gorgeous, glorious card where we dance 
in the blood of the patriarchy. Yeah, you get your best queens together and you hang out. But instead of just having a dinner party, it's reversed. So spend a weekend, a slow, lazy weekend together. Yeah, this is like the sisterhood card. This is about gathering together with the people that really see you and reflect you and remind you of who you really are. And I think having been through this very interesting emotional and creative journey of strength reversed and the page of cups reversed and then the five of cups. It's like time to do the hard work required to get together with the people that nourish us and just celebrate being alive. Celebrate being able to share in this crazy human experience together. We should do a retreat in October. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. There it is. November is the 10 of wands reversed. Ten of Wands is a burnout card. It's, you know, when you are trying to do too much for too many people. Anybody holding Ten Wands has forgotten that those are magic wands because at that point it just looks like firewood. And so the Ten of Wands reminds us that not everything needs to be done at once and that if we're trying to get a lot done, then we need to ask for help. So you'll just want to circle November on your calendar and just write, ask for help. One way to think about the progression of the tarot is that the aces, the ones, are closest to the source, and the tens are furthest from it. So in the ten of wands, we are furthest from that initial impulse, that idea, that spark of action, that big bang of creativity and possibility. And it takes some work, it takes some help to have other people help you remember what you're doing it for. But you're so close to the finish line. And so November is a good time to bring your community together, whatever that community is for you, to help reinvigorate whatever those goals were. Think back to whatever happens for you in March with the Three of Wands, those ideas coming in, and you're going to touch back on them in November with having other people help you carry that vision forwards. I love that because the astrology associated with the card is Saturn and Sagittarius. So it's doing the work, right? Taking responsibility for the ideas, Sagittarius, for the philosophy, for the beliefs, putting them all into action. I also think just interesting to note, given that Sagittarius energy, November will see Mercury enter Sag, the Sun obviously enter Sag, Mars will enter Sag, Ceres will enter Sag. So it's just like a really big boom of astrology, of, uh, of Sagittarius energy. And then December is our last card and also our third direct card, and it's the Knight of Swords direct. So this makes a lot of sense for me because even though we know December is an arbitrary period at the end of a yearly sentence, right? Like then it's just, it just happens again. We know that this whole year is centered around the Four of Swords, right? It's about a new mental foundation. And the Knight of Swords is all about changing your mind. It's the force of air swirling around us, connecting our words to each other, communicating, but also the force of air inside of ourselves, pivoting, uh, keeping the momentum, but moving in a different direction. And so what this shows is that we're all going to be victorious in some ways of having looked back at the past, changed our mind about things, recontextualized, gathered the gifts of our experience, and then taking them forwards where we want to go. There's something very dogged, something very steadfast. There's a, a ferociousness to the Knight of Swords, like you're trying to hit a target. You've got your eye on the prize, and you're just going to keep moving forwards in that direction. And I think the only way we find that right direction is in looking backwards and seeing where we've messed up, where we got deluded, where we got waylaid. And so there's something about next December, which is quite in contrast to this December, which feels very slow, very bogged down. 
But next December feels like we are moving forwards in a new direction, first in our own heads and then out in the world where everyone can see us. So there you have it. A year ahead spread. It feels like we're gathering. It's a year of gathering. Mm -hmm. And again, like working with this metaphor that we've just arrived to a new shore and we've pulled ourselves out and we're exploring, we need to gather the tools that we need. And we need to figure out what are we going to do on this new land? Are we going to build a house? Are we going to build a tree house? Are we going to build a library? Are we going to gather together? Are we going to keep exploring? It's like you're gathering this year everything that you need so that by the end of the year, you have all the tools, you have everything required to launch forwards, which is not to say that you can't launch in 2023. It's just that, you know, life is a progression. Astrology is a progression. I think the tarot is speaking to that in some in some sense that like 2023 is no longer the transition but now that we're in this new place we have to acquaint ourselves with what resources are available and how to use them and who are we in this new place yeah yeah it's very much like training wheels time right now you know and so hopefully in the new year we start to um, learn how to ride you know this new bike without the training wheels so we hope that was useful for you like we said we'll post the spread to our instagram so you can take a look at it we hope you you know recreate this spread with your own tarot cards and let us know what sort of insights you have discovered in it Mm -hmm. if you want to join us on tuesday if you're listening to this podcast in real time we have our astrology of 2023 workshop where we're going to dive into all the astrology and the astrology alone although we may reference this spread a little bit because how can we not uh (laughs) of the year ahead and this workshop is actually two workshops because there's so much astrology we were like let's just break it up so there's one workshop happening on tuesday december December 13th 13th, and then there's another workshop happening in july and They'll all be recorded, so if you can't join us in real time, don't sweat it. Just sign up, and you will get the link to the recording so you can watch it whenever you want as many times as you want. Yeah, and yeah, it's one uh, one payment for both sessions. Yeah. So you pay once, and then, yeah, you'll get the Zoom link for the 13th of December, and then you'll get a Zoom link again um, and a gathering moment again in July. It's a twofer. Yes. There will be no tarot card at the end of this episode because, frankly, we just pulled 13 for you. (laughs) We're exhausted. We're exhausted, and so are you. But, of course, if you want to learn more about us, uh, you can, uh, or if you want to sign up for any of our webinars, you can do that at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. Of course, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, for now still a Twitter, and uh, also on TikTok, The Spiritual Gaze. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.